This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. Welcome back, folks, to the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050, WTKA online at WTK.com. Sam Webb, Mr. Ira Weintraub on the other side and joining us as they do every single Thursday at 9 o'clock hour, the MGO Blog Roundtable with the MGO Blog crew. They are with us once again. Final home game of the season. One more to get down before Ohio State joining me to Kind of look back upon Nebraska and look ahead to this game. Good friend, Brian Cook. Brian, good morning. How are you? I'm well. Craig Ross, the venerable one. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing outstanding. And then, of course, Seth Fisher. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Morning, Sam. I'm not looking past whoever we're playing this weekend. (laughs) I hear you and I get it. And yet, I just feel like I was proven right about this team. They were overrated. But let's let's look back first to Nebraska. Brian, just your broad brush your takeaways from that contest for me. Well, I, I charted about 7 million runs, and a total of five of them were less than three yards. And one of those was first and goal from the two. So <laughs> just in terms of like a consistent run game that gains – you know, three to 12 yards. And I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Like Blake Corum averaged six yards a carry and had a long of 12. Do you know how hard that is? Do you know how impossible that is? Um, it, it was something that I think we expected going in, given what we saw from Nebraska's defensive tackles, but just the sheer ability to execute from Michigan's front seven, because they have two tight ends basically all the time was just astounding. And they're running a bunch of counter stuff that puts guys in wrong gaps. They're running gap stuff that uh, plays on their inside zone and duo ability. They're really diversified what they were doing in the red zone. So we didn't see them just run dives four straight times. They actually did some stuff that got outside the tackles. They used uh, some play action in the red zone. They used uh, J.J. McCarthy's legs for a touchdown. I thought just in terms of the opponent – Okay, it's not a great opponent, but what they were doing to that opponent and what they were doing tactically to diversify what they were doing in the low red zone was really encouraging. Seth? Yeah, I looked at the defense. Um, Nebraska was so bad that like a lot of this game was like they just they, they can't throw a pass. They can't catch a pass. They can't you know run without screwing up a blocking assignment. So you had to kind of pretend a little bit that the, the, the opponent was going to be competent. Um, Michigan's pass rush is the one thing that kind of uh, made me nervous. This is the first game, I think, in a while where they just said, all right, let's just try to rush four a lot of times uh, and, and see what we got. And they were doing that with, you know, Upshaw, we know. Upshaw's going to be responsible. He's not going to, like, 
blow people up, but he's responsible. He's 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 a positive in there. Uh, Harrell is just he's like he's not a good pass rusher, and I can see why he's in there because that allows you to use Michael Barrett and Junior Colson in your rushes as well. He's the guy that gives you access to all the things that Minter wants to do. Uh, but when he's the one rushing, he's actually not that much of a threat, and that was it was a little concerning because those guys get pushed past. That kind of puts everyone else in a tough position, and then they had a lot of uh, issues letting the quarterback run free, and there were a couple of opportunities where you know they could have gotten more, or they messed up each other's rush because no one really has – no one's just the guy. And that's one thing that they're just super missing in this team. Like, they don't have their Ojabo this year. They don't have someone they're like, okay, that guy's going to get the pass rush. I just need to set up and make sure the quarterback stays contained, and he's going to do the job. Yeah, okay, uh, sorry about that, Craig. Yeah, yeah the uh, it's it feels that that's right, but you know Michigan actually leads the Big Ten in sacks. So even <laughs> opponent though opponent adjust, I mean, like right, I know, you I know, to... <laughs> but, but but you know, so I'm not sure the pass rush has really been that bad, you know. But I mean, I hear what you're saying. I have the certain certain the same certain feeling about it. But you know, when you look at the numbers, the numbers are actually pretty that, good. Right. But I, you have to know when those sacks are coming. Those are coming mm. when Michigan's up. When when they know, giving the ball back <clears throat> to Michigan again. You know, like Brian said, Blake Corum is averaging six yards a carry, and his long was twelve yards. If you yeah. give Michigan the ball with five minutes left, you're not getting the ball back. Also, I think 14 of those sacks came against Colorado State and Indiana. Right. Yeah, I think that's so, true. But they, this is true for everyone in the conference. You know, because they all have such events. I know they do, but just because Michigan was able to really take mm-hmm. advantage of the fact that Indiana's offensive line is terrible yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that's going to translate, right? So Mike Morris is able to run over D2 transfer for Indiana, but that doesn't necessarily mean that this is going to be a linear thing. And Michigan's pass, which is really good against Indiana, is going to be kind of good against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. It could be really good against Indiana and just not get the CJ Stroud at all. Yeah, it could be. <clears throat> On the, you know, one thing that you were saying, Brian, I mean, the feeling I had during the game is that it seems like this offense isn't going away. And I mean, this year or next year. I mean, primarily because the offensive line, not only is it good, it's actually deep. And it feels like something's going on within the program to find the right guys and and to create the sort of system uh, for the for these right guys. I mean, uh, they're not recruiting superstars. They're not recruiting five stars by, you know, or even close. Um, but they're doing something on the evaluation and coaching side and putting them in a system. Um, that's quite suitable for what they have and feels kind of sustainable. I mean, is that Pollyanna-ish or is this? I think they're recruiting. I think they're recruiting uh, four or five stars. They just, well, I don't they think they haven't they haven't landed them, but they were. Well, they're recruiting them, right? But the kids they're ending up getting, you know, have yeah, not. Yeah, but how been... much does that really matter for offensive line? Like it matters a little bit, but you can take a guy like Jeffrey Percy, who's a four-star, but outside mm-hmm. the top one hundred. And down the road, if you have the the program to do it, he'll play like a five star. Like I think Zinter's playing like a five star. Mm-hmm. I think Keegan's pretty close. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, neither, neither of those guys was like getting recruited by Alabama, right? So right. I feel like they've 
started eight different guys this year, right? They've started El Hadi for a few games. They've started Percy. They've started Carson Barnhart as backups. Barnhart. And <clears throat> all those guys looked functional. They didn't make a lot of mistakes. And that, I think, is one thing that does feel like part of the program now, is that their offensive linemen really have all their assignments down. They don't miss them. And it's really hard to do that on a consistent basis because if you and one guy misses up a block, then you're probably not going to have a successful play. So being able to execute 95% of the time is a huge advantage over even 90%. That's just the way the math works. So Michigan has been rotating guys through and they haven't really had a drop off. And honestly, that was kind of true last year. You had yeah. Philly and Barnhart playing guard a lot. And while Barnhart didn't really have the power to help come up with a Jacob slate, it's not like he was screwing up his assignments. So yeah, I feel like, they really have what they're doing down, and you're never going to – well, I'm not going to say never, but for years this program was flinging true freshmen into the starting lineup at offensive line. And now I just don't see that happening in, in the foreseeable future. Like Zinter was a redshirt freshman, and I think that's going to be a rarity going forward too because – like Zinter was a true freshman, but it was 2020. Oh, well, yeah, that, yeah. that barely <laughs> yeah, counts. It doesn't really count. Uh, <clears throat> But it just feels like, you know, they've got a number of guys who already have experience who will be pushing through into the starting lineup next year. So, yeah, I, I do feel like this offensive line is more solidified than I've probably ever charted, just in terms of this year and the future. Yeah, that's yeah, my... Go ahead, it, Sam. It stuck out to me to to be able to run the football that well with with Trevor out, uh, with, you know, Trente. Still, it was great to see Trente. Uh, come back, but it it speaks to as you've been talking about them being able to to really really develop some guys and the 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 way that they do such a great job such a great job with their run game of not just being physical but of game planning different opponents they they come in with the same you know sort of base run plays but you might emphasize a couple of different ones in a given week and you make them look different too and it really accentuates the fact that they're physical because they fool you as well. And they fool, they fool Nebraska a good bit uh, in this game on, on a couple occasions. And I, I just feel like that piece of it goes underappreciated because people just don't watch the run game like that. Yeah. I mean, so I'm, I'm watching a couple of these runs and I'm like, why is this linebacker burying his face in the line three gaps away from the play? And I'm like, Oh, they're in pistol and they're handing off to the left side. And so he's like, oh, God, oh, God, inside zone coming. And it's a counter. And he's just reading. He's keying off the running back. And if you're keying off the guard for power, well, sometimes they're pulling the tackle. And then you're just sitting there for two beats. And then you're not over, you're not able to scrape over in time. And the so, yeah, they just ran power, right? So they ran power. But what they do is they run power with different guys. And they motion the tight end right over where they want to go. So he's got a positional advantage when they want to do it. So they have a ton of different little tweaks for all their run plays. And honestly, how much stuff do they have in their playbook that they've been repping all year that they just haven't had to run? Like, I feel like given the dominance of this run game, they probably have a lot of things up their sleeve that they're probably not going to bring out next week. And Ohio state's going to get the brunt of. So that that feels quite possible to me. For example, I mean, it seems like uh, they've even used wide receivers in a in in, in you know yeah, in the power. stuff. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, and that's something I don't recall much of Michigan using, or really anybody using much. Maybe the Ravens used it. Huh. Well, well, yeah. They, so they have they have a play that I called wide receiver insert, which is yeah. which is not basically common, not. and that's and well, no, it's it's basically. I mean, it's it's basically an ISO. They have Ronnie, ba- Ronnie Bell, the fullback play. Yeah, Ronnie Bell goes inside one of the tight ends, and that's where the, the wide open touchdown on the red zone comes from because he sees that action from Ronnie Bell, the safety, and then he's gone. Like he's yeah. two yards across the line of scrimmage when Ronnie Bell scoring a touchdown. And yeah, so it, it, he was, it was a duo. It, it's a, he's involved okay. in their duo package this week in different ways, and that was one of the ways. And, and on that particular play, they trade. It, it's sort of like a, you know how on a when you run like four verts and you have the inside and the outside guy trade, think of that same concept with the blocker. So the tight end and Ronnie trade on that play where Andrell on one play did the same thing. And they had run that like three or four times by the time they got to the red zone. Yeah. And when, when he saw it, when they saw it in the red zone, it's like, oh my God, you aren't going to beat me this way this time. And Ronnie runs right by him. So they, they set stuff up so well. And that's the other thing. I mean, to, to be able to to kind of get them leaning, get them leaning, get them leaning, then hit them with a knockout blow, and this gets me to the play action piece because that was a play action pass. The it was a play action pass to Ronnie on well, I, I called it a post quarter, but that was a play action pass. It was a play action pass to to uh, and Loveland on a dagger wheel. I mean, play action was hitting in this game. It was hitting hard in this game, and so that that's my biggest takeaway. You know they can run the football. You know they're going to run it on anyone, I think. They're going to run it on Illinois, even with their defense. But the the downfield passing element is they continue to work it. What are the things that they can that they know they can do? And I think play action is one of those things. Well, I mean, everybody is concerned about the fact that Michigan hasn't hit like a true deep ball in a really long time. But if you are able to have this ground game and then you go play action and you're able to pick up a 20 or 30 yard chunk, like, do you really need to complete a fade pass? I don't think so. And especially when you add back in JJ running the ball, because later in this game, Michigan was able to put some guys in the wrong gaps when uh, Nebraska went with an eight man front. When they didn't do that, it was a free hitter at like three, four yards, and then you get some yards after contact. That's still productive rushing play. But the difference between what we saw against Nebraska and what we saw against Penn State was the activation of JJ McCarthy. And you got to check him. And then that takes your extra guy out of the box. And then if Michigan gets a hat on a hat and is able to run away from another guy, then then you're right to the safety. And I think, I don't know if Michigan's going to need to do that against Illinois. I think that they probably will show it a little bit because they want to have JJ coming off a couple of live fire reps when they go into Ohio mm-hmm. state. But as I said, a long of 12 in this game, right? And that's because quarterback runs are off. But if you have the quarterback runs on, if you have that eighth guy in the box who needs to be there because you are fully activating your quarterback in the ground game, and then you go play action, man, that intermediate stuff that JJ's been great at all year is going to be open. So, I mean, my main concern is that Michigan stalls out in the red zone because they've moved the ball against everybody this year. And, I mean, I watched that Northwestern game. I think Michigan can replicate what Evan Hull was able to do against Ohio State. <laughs> what, you think Blake Corm is a little better than Evan Hull? Right. Right. I agree. I agree. It's just – 
that that's the thing I keep coming back to. I, I try to try to deal with the people in the extremes. Those who like, oh my God, they can't complete a downfield pass like it's the end of the world. They're ready to jump off a bridge. And then the, the other end of it is, oh, there's just nothing to see here. Who cares if they can't if they haven't completed the downfield pass? It is there's a happy medium. They are ten and zero. I have not experienced in my life the only one in this group who's experienced Michigan to have back to back seasons. This good is probably Craig Ross, right? Yep, yep. None of the rest of us can. Yeah, he got have, that 1901, 1902, 1903, <laughs> 1904, 1905 era, man. Like, I wish I could have lived through that, Craig. That that would have been awesome. Yeah, right. that, that was incredible. <laughs> so, so the point is, they are 10-0. They're one of the best teams in the country. They have a boss run game. They have a defense that's way better. Hey, you, you might have questions about how good they really are. What you can't have a question about is, they are a ton better than most people predicted them to be. So there's a lot to be excited about, but there's still a couple of things to work on. And here's the other thing, to Brian's point, kind of indirectly, Ohio State has things to work on too. So I'd rather have what Michigan has to work on than what Ohio State has to work on. I'd rather be in this position than the one area right now. I, I mean, the, 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 really, Michigan fans are having two conversations right now. The conversation about what we're doing against the schedule thus far, which they've absolutely dominated, and the conversation about what happens in the playoffs. And for all intents and purposes, this is the last regular season game, and then next week the playoffs begin, right? You have to take out Ohio State, then you can advance the Big Ten Championship. You win that thing, you move on to the playoffs. Like, we're having two different conversations. So the conversation about can Michigan destroy a team like Illinois or anybody else in the Big Ten, up to and including Penn State, yeah, can Michigan do this against a playoff caliber team, and what are they missing to do it? So we're talking about that last piece. Can they go from a team that can win the Big Ten because they are there. They are absolutely the caliber of a team that could just romp over the Big Ten. Can they win a national championship? Are they there? And the questions for that are, can they get pass rush naturally, and can they uh, get their downfield passing game going? And those are the two conversations we're having. And when people are having those conversations, they're having in the context of, this is what we've seen, and this is what we haven't seen, because we <laughs> haven't seen the Ohio State game yet, and we don't see anybody, apologies to Penn State, we don't see anybody until next week. Hey, Craig, so people, yeah, are, man, how people, are, ri- people are ripping the hell out of me here. <laughs> they're, they're respecting their venerable elder. Oh, nonsense. <laughs> nonsense. And I have to say, though, I did actually meet Fielding Yost's widow. Uh, and that, that <laughs> is not that helping is your true. case, Craig. Well, I know, but I mean, that's the truth. So. Like before, well, so let's, before we were let's, taping, let's, he was telling us about he went across Europe with 50 pieces of eight. That, that didn't help your case either. Well, yeah. I did fifty dollars. I came. It was I came back with seven. Right. So forty three dollars for let, nine. Let's years. let's sort of put Nebraska to bed because I want to get you guys to to give me a deep dive into Illinois really really quickly. Your your concern level scale of one to ten with the downfield passing game because I think it's it's important to distinguish. Like you said, Brian, they've been doing a great job shortening intermediate passing. It, it's just the downfield element. So, what's your concern level? on that side of things. And is there anything defensively is kind of piggyback on what Seth was talking about? Is there, what's your level of concern defensively as we head into this, not necessarily this game, but into the Ohio state game. So deep passing, I'd say about a five. I think it's a real concern. I don't think it's a necessarily going to be something that's going to be devastating, 
But, you know, if Ohio State's like looking at this and they're like, okay, we got to go zero on uh, coverage on yeah. this, like they got to have a response over the top. And I, you know, it's probably going to be Roman Wilson. And I think we've seen enough from, from Wilson early in the year to know that he's going to get open. And honestly, the accuracy of uh, JJ's deep shots has gotten much better. So there's the near completion to Cornelius Johnson in this game. Uh, I think he chooses the wrong ball on the deep shot to Bell. I think that should be a back shoulder. Uh, but if that if Bell is actually over the top there, that's going to be a completion that you couldn't put that in a better place. And then you know the Andrew Anthony one I, I feel was a, a broken attempt to get a, a offsides call. And so there's no snap count there, and he gets immediate pressure. I'm not going to really put that on him. So over the course of the past few games, you've been seeing guys not get over the top. You've been seeing guys not get quite get open. You've been seeing marginal misses. I think it's not like he, these are five yards off. These are almost. So I think that give him a couple more shots, activate the run game, get people more open downfield, and there's going to be a hit. Like there's going to be a time when this happens in the Ohio State game. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. I mean, if Ohio State in particular comes with cover zero, which I think is likely uh, at some points in the game, they've got to they've got to punish them for doing that, which probably means play ap- action and going up. And and so I have some concern I, defensively. My concern isn't so much sacking people. It's getting out of rush lanes against Stroud. And uh, and that's a problem we've had a little bit over the course of the year. I'd rather just Anaconda Stroud uh, squeeze him in the squeeze him in the uh, in the pocket more um, and not give him uh, pass lanes. If we can sack him, so much the better. But um, I'm less concerned about that than I am the if Ohio State comes with comes with cover zero. How Michigan responds to that? Yeah, yeah, I. You look at Ohio State's guards, right? It's Matthew Jones and Donovan Jackson. Both those guys, they're, they were they're, they're tackles. They were like highly recruited tackles. And they, they've been really good at, uh, at pass rush, but they've not faced offensive tackles like ours. Really, I, I don't expect, other than Mike Morris, nobody can get consistent pass rush from the defensive end spot. Oki, you know, he's, he's decent. He's not awesome. He's not an Ojabo. We certainly don't have anyone like a Hutchinson. I think that their best probably their best bet is probably to get that pass rush from the interior, uh, which they've gotten this year. They just haven't really tried. Mason Graham is surprisingly really good at this, and the, the stuff that he does, I think, is actually going to work. Um, Mozzie Smith is actually really good at just pushing the pocket. Now, none of these guys are like they're not very long arm dudes, right? Chris Jenkins and Mozzie and uh, even Graham are not dudes with like freakishly long arms. Rayshon Benny is. Uh, so I don't know how that's going to work when they're facing guys who had the length that Ohio State's t- uh, guards have. But if they can get pass rush there, I think that's going to work. I don't know if they're going to be able to get pass rush against their tackles because their tackles are great. So I agree with Craig that you kind of use a constrictor system. But as long as you're denting the middle, that is still going to put him under pressure. And Stroud hates that. He hates yeah. pressure up the middle. Um, yeah, almost more than he hates pressure off the sides, and everyone knows. <laughs> everyone's seen seen the tapes before. I'm sure everyone's seen the video out there of like you know Stroud when he's under pressure versus when he's not. Um, and that's the game right there because Stroud's receivers are going to get open. I I I, I like our well, quarterbacks a lot, but you let's know, not let's yeah. not 
assume that, right? Like yeah. Jackson, uh, JSN has not really played this year. Um, Julian Fleming, uh, he's not Chris Olave, right? Uh-huh. Like they have Marvin Harrison Jr. And then I think their other guys are a step back. And last year, I mean, how did that game go? Like they got some yards, but what it required from their wide receivers was absolute heroism. <laughs> they, they made some fantastic. They they, they were yeah. they were out of their minds. Good yeah. point. And so if they're able to replicate that, then you know they'll probably get twenty seven points because that's what they got last year. And I don't think that their ground game is going to do a whole lot. Their their running backs are banged up. They're not able to consistently move the ball against Northwestern or whoever they played a couple weeks ago, where it's like they had one 41-yard run, and the rest of the day they had 37 yards on the ground. Like, like that Penn State this is, about? Yeah, the Penn State game. Yeah. Thank you. So, you know, we've seen what Michigan's been able to do as a run defense, and I think that they're going to have to put an awful lot on Stroud. And then... If he's comfortable in the pocket, I think that changes things. And then Ohio State is going to run him. What We saw that late in the Northwestern game. They actually ran bluff for Ark, and they got a huge play out of it that they needed. And I think they were probably saving that for Michigan. They're probably <laughs> repping it a lot because they're prepping for Michigan. But they got stuck in this game, and what was the thing that kind of broke the dam for them? Well, they activated Stroud's legs, and that's something that Michigan needs to be prepared for. All right, so let's let's pause because we need to. As someone said, hey, 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 isn't there a game to play before Ohio State? Yes, yes, there is against uh, against Illinois. So we will talk about the Illini. <laughs> in Illinois, Illinois. We're about to get into yeah. talk about the Illini. Any, any update on Chase Brown? Have you guys seen? No, no. I just know he got hurt last week yeah. and how bad it was. Who knows? Uh, maybe. So it's hard I mean, to they, say. They, they need this one now. So if he can go, he's going to go. Yeah. If he can walk. Did, did any of you guys happen to ch- probably not see any of the Toledo Bowling Green game? No. Uh, the, I, I only saw, saw you, one saw you were on TV. <laughs> I, I, well, no, I was. Yeah, I know. David somehow caught a picture of me in, in, in the crowd. I was sitting with Scott's wife and, uh, and my brother. And, uh, well, that was the craziest, wildest game I've probably seen in in forty years. It was it was just unbelievable. It was a big game for Bowling Green because that's their sixth win, and uh, they they haven't been there in a in a while. Yeah, I was going to ask: has, has he had them in a bowl before? No, be like no, 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 no. This is their first the first time they've been bowl eligible. I mean, he he inherited a pretty bad team, and I'll keep the other stuff to myself for the moment about oh. what he inherited. But, uh, but uh, I'll, I'll tell you guys, but the, uh, uh, so this is, this is a, uh, this was a big deal for them when winning this game. How are and, they going to do against and, Michigan state in the bowl game? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Maybe they might not do badly. Uh, that Bowling Green has a nice quarterback and they have some good, a couple of good skill players. So they've got a tight end who's phenomenal. He's a freshman, but he'll last two years there. He'll be someplace else's third year probably. And so, uh, what, this was Tuesday night? Tuesday what? night. Yeah. How come Daquan Finn didn't play in that game? That's hurt? well. That's a good question. The Toledo. My brother said the Toledo papers uh, had him saying that he was leaving the program, ah, and that he was transferring 
and the speculation was quote to a Big Ten school. Um, so Finn, I don't know if the coach just said the hell with you then, or I think Toledo might have already won that side and maybe they were just resting him. I don't know, but I know that the the Toledo Blade had published uh, something that Finn has said he was gone. He was yeah, gone. that's uh, Devin's guy. I gotta ask that Devin. Devin knows wow. Finn. Yeah, that's his. That's one of his proteges. Well, he did. He's done. He did pretty well this year. And my brother said he played. I didn't see it very well against Ohio State. Actually, yeah. yeah. So. We shall see what the what the deal is uh, as this this coaching carousel starts to uh, starts to make the rounds. Obviously, Biff just got the Charlotte job, and that's great. You know, uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see if if they start coming for Michigan's other, or try to, Michigan's other well, assistants. Now I know just a lot for Bruce Feldman articles about our assistants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was a good article. That was an, a really nice article about Biff. I mean... Uh, and well-timed. Well-timed. Yeah. yeah, well -timed. <laughs> yeah. I, you could tell they have his phone number. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, so you know, when he does the freaks list every year too, Michigan's right at the top of the at the top of the list. And I'm ready in about 30 seconds. Gotcha, gotcha. You can gotcha. tell there's a connection there. All does right. Feldman have any connection to, to Michigan? I didn't uh not mm -hmm. a direct one. Not directly. I mean, okay. I, he has a pretty good relationship with the program, you can tell. Okay. Yeah. Freaks article every year. He's got like oh, video from inside the program and all that okay. stuff. So fellas, I, I'm saying we're gonna be talking Ohio State. Because I'm anticipating Michigan taking care of business against the Illini. What do you see, starting with a start reverse order this time, what do you see when you see the Illini, Seth Fisher? Uh, they loved blitz. So, I mean, Michigan's going to want to get on the ground, and they might have to, they might have to get more than uh, you know, a 12-yard run out of, this, out of Blake this time. I think that uh, you can crack them. You can find holes in what they do. They played a little bit soft against Purdue, and I think that might have hurt them because they kind of ran away from who they are. Uh, and they were doing that because they're afraid of Aiden O'Connell, right? Um, but they, uh, they, they want to blitz, and they're going to run blitz. They're gonna, they they want to shut you down up front and then make you play man. And they play a lot of man. They don't necessarily have all the guys. They're getting a little banged up at this point of the year. We mentioned hey. Chase Brown already, and uh, – They've got a lot of injuries in the secondary. Uh, Terrell Jennings, Tyler Strain, Tavian Nicholson, um, all guys that were either in the rotation or starting for them are out. Uh, and also their pass rush is missing Seth Coleman. So they're kind of uh, they're, they're missing a lot of the pieces that they would need if they were going to pull the upset. Uh, and then on the ground, um, Alex just did a great uh, faux film on them because they do all sorts of – they're like a hardball running game. And, you know, that's Brett Bielema's thing, right? They're going to – they're going to run power. They're going to run counter. They're going to run pin and pull. They're going to pin and pull different guys. So you can't just key the running back. You're going to have to watch your keys. Fortunately, Michigan is the only program in the country that's like, oh, <laughs> oh, you're, you're kicking out with a tackle? I've seen that. You know, oh, down G. Ah, down G. Yes. You know, this is, this is not going to be new to anybody who's practiced against Michigan's offense. So. I think we're a terrible matchup for them. The only thing is they're going to try to man up and make you beat them downfield one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, Michigan can do that. It's, I just, you know, we'd all like to see it at this point. Craig Ross. Um, this week, uh, you might not have seen this. Uh, 
but Australian scientists discovered the first prehistoric crocodile. And I have a quote from the article. You Bear with me a bit. This has something to do with Illinois. And it's the first time, <laughs> Sam, you're making me laugh. It's the first time a croc had been discovered with a dinosaur in its stomach. So I had this vision of scientists standing around a grease board. And the top of it, it said, old world prehistoric crocodiles social order. And on the left side, left column, you had like the working class crocodiles and they had like White Castle or McDonald's in their stomachs. And then you had like the professional class crocodiles. They had, uh, you know, Ruth Chris say, and then you had like the beautiful people, wealthy crocodiles, and they had maybe uh, Da Andrea from, uh, you know, Greenwich Village in their stomach. And then on the far right, you have question marks and you've got, uh, dinosaurs in their stomachs. Now, the interesting thing is that uh, these scientists uh, speculated that the croc was eaten by another dinosaur. And this is Illinois. Not just that, <laughs> not just that their coach kind of reminds me of a, of a prehistoric crocodile, but that the team has been pretty badly nibbled by dinos in the last couple of weeks and they don't know what they're up what they're up to this coming week. hey man i just heard herschel walker do a soliloquy on <laughs> werewolves and vampires <laughs> wait, maybe wait, wait. i can no, no, no. maybe Crash, i can Crash. run for office too uh, no, no socialism no. is a little strange but i would Craig, not compare Craig, him to herschel <laughs> walker that is not fair Craig, that is not is fair people like herschel walker should not be in the senate <laughs> People with severe cases of CTE <laughs> should be uh, yeah, vastly more intelligent. I didn't mean that. I just talked about just, it. Just made Someone me think should of, ask Herschel Walk about Arkansas socialism. I want to. I want to see this. The start point and the finish point. I just wondered how you were going to get there. You made it. It took you a while, but you made it, Greg. You made it. I was well, uh, one turnover in the first thirty-five minutes last night. That's pretty good. Huh? <laughs> Huh? <laughs> the message we just got was crap. That was awesome last night, incidentally. I, w I was jumping for joy. One turnover in 35 minutes is incredible, but that's another conversation. That's one I'm trying to have. Right? <laughs> like, no. That's fine. <laughs> we, were, we were having a different conversation, and we decided that that one was over. <laughs> Sorry. All right. All right, Brian. So let's get back on track. Illinois, what do you yeah. see? Uh, well, they're heavily cover one team. They play a lot of man, so their cornerbacks being out is a, is a real problem for them. Um, it will be an opportunity for Michigan to try to hit some more deep shots, just like uh, Seth said. Offensively, they they don't throw the ball downfield at all. I mean, you complete 20 and 22, that says a couple of things. One, it says that you got a decent quarterback, but it also says that everything's within like 10 yards of line of scrimmage. Um, <clears throat> so just contain them, keep them in front of you. And if Chase Brown plays, just prove that you're that that team when it comes to run defense. And I think they will. Yeah, is they are they are out front team, aren't they? Illinois, they play a lot out front. Uh, defensively, they they're I'm not. Yeah, they they do. They uh, they're I mean they're a base three four. They're going to want to bring their four three four personnel on the field. I don't know where Michigan's at with the health of their tight ends. If Schoolmaker's going to play this one or not, I. I kind of imagine that anybody who's dinged up for Michigan is going to sit out this one or at least just going to be, quote, be available. Um, so I think Michigan, if they spread it out, you get their best 
guys right now because they're stretched thin in the secondary. There's really no reason to try to, you know, over tight end them this time, especially because that actually brings some of their better players like Alec Bryant and Isaac Darktangelo, who are not great guys against the pass, but really good run stoppers. Um, it kind of gets those guys involved. So, you know, the way to beat Illinois is to, you know, spread things out, use your athletes, and, you know, they're, they've seen all the run stuff that we've had. We've already practiced all the run stuff we had. I really would like to see Michigan air it out a little bit in this game. Yeah, I, I just I, – I was asking that question from the standpoint of, you know, kind of honing in on what their run what their run game plan will be. I think it will look very similar to what we just saw against against Nebraska. They, they really tailor their – their run game when they face an odd front team, you see them bring out some some unique pieces. They'll they'll pull a tackle on the power. Uh, you know they 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 ran a counter trap. They were they were doing different things. They ran a double insert in this game uh, where they had the the tight ends on the wing. So you you can that's why I say this this is this staff when it comes to run game disguise and in, and innovation. I mean, when it, as, it, as it applies to their game plan, they do a tremendous job. How do they complement that with the pass game this week? And it is my belief. I don't know. It, I'm not saying that I know this to be fact. But when you are as effective as they were last week in play action and you see and you know how Illinois is going to play, I think we are going to see them do more of that this week. I, off the top of my head, when the game was still with the starters, and I think I had them with four play action passes and they were four for four well i just don't get why if it's not a passing down why you would ever not go play action with this team <laughs> right like I, I, there are some small downsides in terms of like ability to get uh your head around before the rush gets in but you're running 75 percent of the time if you're you don't straight drop back on first and second down ever yeah, that'd be an interesting question for for a play caller. You know, at some point, I'll, I'll ask board just that. But you know, when the season is over, maybe we'll get a chance to ask these guys, like you know, just the when or why not just a heavy dose of play action all the time when you're this kind of run team. Because as a novice outside observer, I agree with you. It would seem to me to be the way to go. But I've never called plays, so I don't know. But what we do know is they ran it at least off the top of my head four times last week. They got. N- Positive plays, three big plays on it. I gotta believe they're gonna do that more uh, this week and just try to get rid of Illinois as quickly as they can and get everybody out of there with with no injury and get ready for for Ohio State. That's kind of how I see it. I don't know if it's gonna be that way. I just hope it is. So um, Chase Brown, no update. I was looking for an update on Chase Brown's health. He got he got hurt. Here's the other thing, guys. I just think Illinois is fraudulent. I never, I never thought they were that good. They have a decent front seven defensively. I think they're physical, but that's not a big advantage against a team like Michigan, who practices against that all the time. They built their reputation, they built their ranking on teams in the West, and then the minute that you know it, it, it their backs got put or they their feet got put to the fire against Michigan State, they lost, and then they come back last week and they lose at home to Purdue. Just a team that Michigan, in my opinion, will have to fall down. They'll have to fall asleep at the wheel to lose to. Illinois has got to stay on schedule. And like they're, they're many – I mean, what they are is an old Wisconsin team minus the linebackers. Like, Burt's rebuilt Wisconsin there. Like, they're, they're going to blitz you. They're going to run the ball. They need to stay ahead of the chains. And if you put them behind the chains, 
Um, Brian Hightower is the, the Miami transfer who was supposed to kind of save them on the outside. He's not that great. Isaiah Williams is like a – he was a dude Ohio State wanted at a cornerback, and, you know, Illinois convinced him he could play quarterback. They tried playing quarterback a couple times, and they're like, nope, you're a slot receiver. Uh, I mean, he can jet around and, and make things happen, but really they have to stay on schedule. They don't have great pass rushers. Their uh, right guard's a terrible pass protector. They have to pull him out on passing downs. Um, their best lineman is Alex Palkowski. Uh, uh, Big Pal, I just call him. Alex Pal- uh, Pal- Pal- That's why I call him Big Pal. <laughs> but he's just a, he's just a mauler, he, and he's a great run blocker, but again, terrible pass protector. So if you get them in long downs, they're in trouble, and that's been their entire season. As long as they're on schedule, they're just crushing teams. And when you can stop them, and I think Michigan's got the run defense to stop them, that changes the whole story. So I think Illinois is going to get booted off the field a bunch of times, and it's going to be a quick one. Yeah, I hope so. And then I can pay attention to TCU, Baylor, the USC, UCLA. Those, those are big games for the Big Ten as far as I'm concerned. Big yeah, Bears fans definitely- this week. Yeah, definitely true. The uh, yeah, I mean, I see Illinois as basically Iowa. I mean, they played, they beat Iowa earlier in the season, nine to six, uh, and so they're fairly comparable. I mean, they lost by three to Indiana, Indiana, and then they've had the two losses by a touchdown or eight to uh, Purdue and MSU. Their internal numbers, particularly on defense, are pretty good, uh, but their offense has not been has not been great uh it's been okay and um they're 97th in uh, s&p they're they're actually like the fancy stats hate their offense that's part of like you know that's part of how they play but really their best players on defense are their um the two defensive ends that's why i said they're like wisconsin's like that defensive ends or you know three four defensive ends those big tackle like guys and just like some of the teams we played this year they're not that big and All right. if Michigan push them off the ball, that kind of changes the whole story, right? Well, if the consensus is that Illinois is butt, can we talk about 1.36 points per possession last I, night? I would, of course, yeah, love to talk good. about that. Yeah, so, so yeah, I, I was going to spend the last five, six minutes on, on basketball. So, uh, interesting game versus Eastern, a bit of a nail-biter. And then they, they come back last night and have a really good offensive outing. A really good shooting night as a team. What do you make of first few games for Michigan basketball? Since you brought it up, Brian, let's start with you. Well, I mean, obviously they do need to get better at defense. I thought last night was progress on that front. You, know, you still have Jet Howard falling asleep a little bit. And he has a real bad habit of not staying square, which is why he fouled out in 17 minutes. But honestly, that might have been good for Michigan just going forward because he goes out and Kobe Bufkin's like, I can do this. And... I really feel like you've got three or four guys who are quality options to create shots. I think you got Bufkin. I think you have uh, obviously Hunter Dickinson. You have Jet. And then you have either Doug or Luella, depending on how that you know works out. If they can find some sort of consistency on defense, and I'm not talking about like Charles Matthews, Xavier Simpson consistency on defense. I'm talking about like good to decent beeline defense. I think this offense is going to be good enough that they're just going to take off. Um, Cause last year they were 
they, the, the pieces just didn't fit, right? So you have Musa playing next to Hunter, and you don't have a lot of shooting on the floor because you know your point guard is not really a proficient three-point shooter. This year, they have shooting from everywhere. And if you double Hunter Dickinson, you're going to die. So <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to some some Beeline era numbers here. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, if Joey Baker can shoot like that, good grief. Well, I think Joey good. Baker can shoot like that. Uh, I mean, he, he's a 39% shooter at, at Duke. and uh, He's shooting 58% he's, right now, though. I think it's going to come down from that. <laughs> well, he'll come down from 58% because no one's ever shot 58%. But, but can he be a good, consistent three-point shooter? Well, yeah, I see that. Uh, and and he's not a terrible defender against some players. He's not particularly quick, but I thought last last night he he was solid. He also created uh, mm-hmm. a couple of baskets. One I think Hunter missed, but he created a couple of baskets. And uh, so I I was surprised and impressed. The thing that impressed me the most last night is all of a sudden they seemed to feel fit into the tempo that seemed comfortable for them. I have a friend who's blind, who's a basketball fan. He's been blind his whole life. And he often will call me and say, Oh no, man, your team is out of tempo. They're not playing at the right pace for that team. And it's something because he can't see, it's something he can sort of feel and hear. And, uh, and all of a sudden I thought in the second half last night, Michigan was was in in their right tempo. In the first ten minutes of the game, they had five or six bad shots. They didn't take the extra pass when the extra pass was there, and uh, they were a little unlucky because Pittsburgh is not a good shooting team. They and they hit their first three first three threes, and uh, they're they're a terrible three shooting team. And <laughs> and but all of a sudden in the second fa- half, it seemed like yeah. Uh, Doug slowed down a little bit. He realized <laughs> that he didn't have to always yeah, be that. moving at this frenetic level. He slowed down, and, and and the team seemed to realize, you know, we get the ball into the post, and then we kick it out to our shooters, and and we can drive because we've got guys who can drive to the basket too. And and all of a sudden, the sort of whole thing seemed to fit together. And as Brian pointed out, no turnovers. I mean, that's the fewest turnovers I can recall from any team ever over 35 minutes. And the one turnover was just Doug McDaniel dribbling the ball out of bounds. Like it wasn't part of the offense. It wasn't something that had been induced. It was just kind of a head slapping thing. And the thing is like Llewellyn's 0 of 8 from three this year. We know he's a career like 38 point shooter, Mm -hmm. three point shooter, 38%. And uh, Kobe Bufkin's 1 of 10. So those numbers are going to come up. So you're going to get some regression from Joey Baker. I don't think Jet Howard is going to shoot 45% on the season. But, I mean, those guys, I mean, I guess Buffkin hasn't proven it at the college level yet. But these are guys who are going to come up. And so you're going to have four shooters around and Dickinson. And there's just really no way to, to defend that unless you can go one-on-one with Dickinson in the post. And not a whole lot of people can. Yeah, yeah Phil, Phil has been saying that they're going to be a better shooting team. And I, we got a glimpse. Uh, last night, hopefully they can. I mean, I'm, my biggest concern is defense. Can they can they get some things together defensively, especially when they guard quickness like Noah Farrakhan, like they're going to see with Frankie uh, tonight. So I like that they get a, a a do-over seeing Frankie after they struggle so so much and trying to stay in front of Farrakhan. Yeah. Well, I mean, they went back to drop coverage last night, and there was a lot of blitzing against DMU. It didn't go very well. And I feel like that was an experiment. 
and it's still not something that Michigan's capable of. Real quick, guys. Uh, so Michigan State plays Gonzaga to the hilt, and they beat Kentucky. What do you think of the Spartans on this young season? Well, we saw Gonzaga against Texas, and that didn't look real good. I mean, we also played them on an aircraft carrier where everybody shot 20% from three. So, I mean, and then Kentucky is not a smart basketball team. <laughs> not right now. Like, this is yeah. kind of how they always are at the beginning, where it's just like, five baby deer who happen to be NBA prospects. And then they kind of get it together over the course of the season, which is but, so you know, smart to play them early in the season like that. Cause it looks great from tournament time. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's good for the really, big 10. Mm-hmm, like everybody's yeah. talking about how it's down here for the big 10, but Iowa just racked up a really nice win. Like Northwestern had a good win this week. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, they, the big 10 I thought was way down, but I think maybe, not true. And and Michigan State, while they don't have a lot of depth, uh, they do have a good solid backcourt. And Sissoko looks like he's improved a bit. And and Hauser had a great game against yeah. Kentucky. He really shot the ball. So yeah, he's the one. He's the he's one. He's the key, really. Yeah, he's he's playing like his brother. If he can play like his brother, then they Michigan State is going to be better than I expected them. They were projected them to be this year. So yeah. real quick. With our score of Michigan, Illinois, Seth? Uh, 42-27. All right, Craig? 24-6. The weather's going to make this a low-scoring game. And Brian Cook? 29-9. All right. Fellas, uh, I was I would normally say I'm going to wish you happy holidays, but you're going to be on next week, not on Thanksgiving Day. Folks, want to let you guys know the Roundtable crew agreed to come on on Tuesday, so lock that in, 9 o'clock on Tuesday. The MGO Blog Roundtable, we're going to get it in. Uh, until then, guys, thanks for joining us. And, folks, thanks for being with us on the stream here. We'll see you tomorrow on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050. WTK, the ticket, the official voice of University of Michigan Sports, Ann Arbor, Accumulus Station.